0: I'm Janet Forrest, and this is the Bonds, the Mitchells, and the Dawn of Time. Episode 5. When we last spoke about Mariah Mitchell in Episode 3, it was 1848, about a year after she discovered a comet. Following a furious writing campaign, she had finally been awarded the gold medal from the King of Denmark. With the help and support from President Edward Everett of Harvard College and Superintendent Alexander Dallas Bash of the U.S. Coast Survey, the whole world was about to learn Mariah's name. In this episode, Jason Leonardo Finger of the Mariah Mitchell Association and Jim Borzilleri of the Nantucket Athenaeum's Reference Department will discuss what doors the comet discovery opened for Mariah and the people she would meet along the way. As we've said numerous times in this season, Mariah was not a lone astronomer. She and her father, William Mitchell, were tightly connected to a vast network of scientists. And in this sea of brilliant minds, Mariah was riding a giant wave that would take her far beyond the shores of Nantucket. I'll let Jason take it from here.
1: The superintendent of the coast survey felt so strongly about Mariah and her abilities that he took her and her brother Henry up into Maine to one of their stations up there. Um, His Uh wife went along as well to make it proper. (laughs) But she spent quite a few weeks up there and he taught her how to use other pieces of equipment that she didn't know how to use, that her father didn't know how to use. In
0: 1857, Mariah would travel to Europe for the first time, which some might take for granted today, but for a young woman in the 19th century, it held more significance.
1: A European trip for Mariah or anybody in the 19th century or earlier was considered the equivalent of a college education because of what you were experiencing, what you were seeing.
0: That's not to say Mariah couldn't hold her own intellectually. She was as well-trained as most of the astronomers she would meet, and she was gainfully employed by the newly founded American Nautical Almanac Office. This office was part of the Navy Department, and tasked with publishing information necessary to astronomers, surveyors, and navigators.
1: The U.S. Nautical Almanac had not relinquished her. She wanted to take a leave of absence while she traveled, and they refused because they knew they had a good thing and they didn't want to let go. So she had to work throughout her trip through Europe. She went with letters of introduction, which was the proper thing in the 19th century and earlier. And people, I wouldn't say they went, bah, ha, ha, her face, but they pretty much laughed and were like, are you kidding? We know who you are. You don't need a letter of introduction. Come on in. And the letters were written by Bash, by the Bonds, because they knew all these people. William Bond was absolutely an Anglophile, so he was tied in very, very tightly with Aerie and also, I forgot his name, the Observatory at Liverpool. So he was working with them all the time. So yeah, their letters probably carried some weight. but you're right, they all knew who she was.
0: An unexpected benefit of the writing campaign that we talked about in episode three that led to Mariah being awarded her gold medal was that it helped forge friendships between Mariah and her counterparts in England which would endure
1: even when she returned to the U.S. When I say lifelong friendships, these were like, she might not have seen them again, although she saw many of them on her second trip back in 1873. Really long letter-writing campaigns back and forth, particularly with the Aries. Sir George Airy, the astronomer royal for England, and his wife, Richardo, they became very close.
0: Lest we forget, this is a time long before the internet, email, faxes, or even telephones. Getting information of any kind back and forth between the US and Europe was extremely slow. And traveling there in person took time and money. So it's no surprise that the Bonds, Mariah's good friends from Cambridge, asked if she wouldn't mind bringing along an item for them. You know, since she's going anyway. Oh, and yeah, if it's not too much trouble, could she please show it to as many scientists and astronomers that she can find?
1: The Bonds were doing early photography of the night sky some of the earliest in in the world. And so when Mariah went on her first trip to Europe in the 1850s, George Bond gave her a small glass plate to show it to the different astronomers she might meet while she was in Europe. So she was helping to introduce early astrophotography to Europe for the Bonds by simply bringing it with her. She would meet just about every astronomer, gain access to just about every observatory in Europe so there are little nuances where Mariah played roles, too, and things that we don't even, you know, it's just kind of a slip. Oh, will you take this with you and show these <laughs> glass plates to whoever? And then you realize it's actually, that's a very big deal.
0: On one of her trips to Europe, Mariah would also travel to Rome to meet Father Angelo Sessi, who had spotted the same comet she did in 1847. Amidst the confusion and letter-writing, Father Sessi had acknowledged that all the calculations showed that Mariah saw it first, and the medal was rightfully hers. It's fitting that during this trip to the Vatican, the lady astronomer would negotiate another first.
1: She was the first woman allowed in to the Vatican's observatory. It took two weeks and suggestion of she wear pants, because maybe they would let her in if she was wearing pants. And she was only allowed in during the day, but that's when she met Father Sessi face to face.
0: Mariah was constantly navigating the fickleness of a world that was warming to the concept of a lady astronomer, but hadn't wholeheartedly accepted it. Mariah was cautious about pushing the boundaries too far, yet almost in spite of her self-imposed propriety, her circle of influence continued to grow. On her first trip to Europe in 1857, Mariah intended to be a chaperone for a Miss Swift, but unfortunately, the young woman's father lost a large part of his fortune in the 1857 panic, so Miss Swift was forced to cut her trip short and return to America. Fearing the optics of a young woman traveling alone, Mariah reached out to the Hawthorns, that is, Nathaniel
1: Hawthorne and his
0: family, to see if they could join her for the rest of her trip.
1: She was in Italy and, or getting ready to go to Italy, and reached out to the Hawthorne family. And Nathaniel Hawthorne thought it was the most hysterical thing that America's, you know, lady astronomer felt she needed travel companions, but she wanted to kind of be as proper as possible, even though later in her life she'd make all kinds of snide comments about, I can be a woman who goes anywhere. But then she decided she needed to travel with them and she developed a very strong friendship with Sophia Peabody Horthon, who is part of the famous Peabody Sisters of Boston area. And uh, it was Elizabeth Peabody Sophia's sister who would kind of take up the mantle of the women of America who came together to buy subscription, to raise money, to get Mariah Mitchell a proper telescope. So when she returned from Europe in 1858, she had $500. And so she traveled into Boston to meet with Alvin Clark, who would become the premier telescope maker in America and was still on his way up, but he wasn't quite there yet. And she worked with him to build a telescope that would meet her needs. She wished she had a few more dollars because she didn't get exactly what she wanted. But, you know, I think that connection with Sophia is really what actually helped. And then she would become kind of a, impromptu kind of governess to Harthon and Sophia's children, who would later in their lives recount stories of traveling with Mariah and having her teach them about the night sky and all kinds of other things.
0: Mariah made the most of her time in Europe and planned out what she wanted to see. Her journal and letters read like travel logs that documented travel conditions, the cost of meals and lodging, the people she met and the art she liked and didn't like. One thing that struck Mariah was that some of the older
1: observatories were built more for show than for
0: actual use.
1: And she kept incredibly detailed journals and letters, and she'd send pieces, copies of journals back home, and William would transcribe them all himself into a second one to make sure that things were kept for safekeeping.
0: It was also on this first trip to Europe that Mariah met Miss Harriet Martineau, a 19th century influencer, if you will who published simplified versions of books such as Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, making them more accessible to the masses. You can learn all about Miss Martineau in Season 2, Episode 6, The Most Famous Woman You've Never Heard Of. As Jason said earlier, it wasn't just other scientists and astronomers that Mariah was meeting with. She befriended American sculptor Harriet Hosmer, who was part of the circle of expat artists. Mariah admired Harriet Hosmer's commitment to her craft, her success as a self-supporting artist, and her openness and honesty. However, Mariah at one point said of Hosmer, A little womanly timidity would have made her more lovely. In later years, she would cite Hosmer as an example of a woman succeeding in a previously male profession. These professional and personal connections would build on each other. And yet, through it all, Mariah remained modest about her accomplishments. And was slow to accept the opportunities that were offered to her.
1: Everyone thinks you know, Mariah was this natural brain. She was not a natural brain. She's what in my family we call a plugger. Mariah was a plugger, And when they offered her that position at Vassar, she didn't accept it right away. One, she didn't right. really understand that they were offering it to her. And it was William who actually said to her, Mariah, they're actually offering you to ask you to come and teach. And she's like, Oh, I can't do that. I don't have a college degree. I can't be the future of women <laughs> scientists of America. <laughs> But then she did and she became this this legacy that laid out after her for so many generations. I mean, even today, Mariah who taught this student, who then taught this person, it just it branched, it's like a genealogy, it's like a family tree. It just branched uh-huh. out, branched out to so the point that you have all these women who were could probably, if they sat there and diligently went back, could find a pathway back to Mariah, just like you find yep. a pathway back to your great 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 grandfather or something. Mariah would play a role even later on with the Harvard College Observatory with the further development of cataloging of the night sky with the glass plate. Uh Henry Draper's widow trying to set up this program in his memory that happened at the observatory there and Mariah playing a large role in kind of helping to get it off the ground and providing input with that. You know, most of the people who were cataloging the night sky at the Harvard College Observatory by that point were were women because they, they felt that they one well, when they could pay them less, but yep. <laughs> in large part they were more detail oriented than the men were.
0: And not a few had been trained by Mariah at Vassar.
1: Some of so them were her, had been her students, yep. And then the Mariah Mitchell Association and the Harvard College Observatory. I mean, our astronomy program, when we wanted to start it up in the early 1900s, it was the Harvard College Observatory who assisted in that. And a lot of those women who were at Harvard would then come through the Mariah Mitchell Association early in the astronomy department's infancy. You name a scientist, you name a literary person, you name the thinker of the 19th century, and Mariah and her family were right there. I mean, John Greenleaf Whittier, I mean, the Alcott, the whole nine yards, Mariah, they got around.
0: Yeah, and it's not the romantic story that sometimes gets told, but I think it's a lot more interesting.
1: It is. I mean, it's just, they're just, it's just a, they're a remarkable family that had a really great influence, lesser known, but had a great influence in shaping different aspects. I mean, I think about women's education and women in the sciences was largely greatly shaped by Mariah. And you know, her students went on to have some of the first PhD in chemistry and start the home economics movement and go on to work at the Harvard College Observatory and come up with all kinds of star classifications that would go on to influence astronomy in so many ways. It's just this reach that people are just not aware of. I mean, they're kind of a well kept secret, unfortunately, but maybe we can get them to have more of the recognition that they're due because again, they had the kind of their hands in all kinds of places. Not just Willem and Mariah, but all of the all of her siblings.
0: In our final episode of this season, we will reflect on the legacies of Mariah Mitchell and Sarah Bond and the impact their lives and careers had then and now.
1: There are other women who were astronomers, but they had to give the credit to their brothers or their fathers. Caroline Herschel is a prime example of that. She was able to take some credit later, but a lot of the work she did, her credit had to go to her brother, William Herschel. She was a
0: single woman in a man's world raising three kids. She might not have felt as comfortable taking a risk the way Richard was.
1: Well, there is one document that kind of speaks to that.
0: This has been a production of the Nantucket Athenaeum. It was written, edited, and narrated by me, Janet Forrest. Special thanks to the Athenaeum's Reference Library Associate, Jim Borzileri, and Historian and Deputy Director of the Mariah Mitchell Association, Jason Leonardo Finger, for their research and insights. Please check the show notes for more information and sources on the research. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others find the show. If you really enjoyed it, please share it with a friend or a colleague. The Nantucket Athenaeum is located at 1 India Street in Nantucket, Massachusetts. We would love for you to stop by. You can visit us online at nantucketathenaeum.org. Stay tuned for our next episode of The Bonds, The Mitchells, and The Dawn of Time.